0: On today's Question of Faith, how did your Lenten resolutions go? Hey everybody, this is Question of Faith. I am Mike Hayes. I am the Young Adult Ministry Director here in the Diocese.
1: And I'm Father Damian Ferrance, Vicar for Evangelization.
2: And I'm Maria Wancata with the Communications Team.
0: Cool. So, hey, we all were here when we started making our Lenten what, what we were going to give up for Lent, you know, all of our Lenten resolutions. And so we thought we'd check in and say, well, how'd it go? Who wants to start? You gave up the elevator, if I remember I right, Maria. I did. I gave
2: up the elevator. And uh, it was tough. It was tough. There were definitely days that I did not feel like climbing all those stairs. But in the end, it ended up being a very fruitful Exercise, And so
0: to speak. Yeah, <laughs> and you're on the sixth floor here. Sixth right?
2: floor. I think it's about 110 stairs going all the way up.
0: You have stairs in your home too, like yes. Just the front walk, though, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. Okay, but um, yeah, it was good. Uh, overall, like I got to meet new people that oh, work here by taking the stairs. Uh, I definitely noticed that it, when I was by myself, it was harder. But if I was walking up with someone, it went very quickly. So I think it's something I'm going to keep doing. Cool.
0: You inspired me a little bit. I, so I live in a condo. I'm on the fifth floor, so I tend to take the stairs there. I don't tend to take the stairs here. I'm not really sure why. Probably because I'm in a rush here more often than I am when I'm at home. Yeah. But I've definitely been taking the stairs uh, at home now for the most part.
2: I will say, even if you're in a rush going down, I've beating people, taking the elevator down by just taking the stairs. Oh, yeah,
0: going down for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah going up, not so much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Father, what about you?
1: Well, if you recall, I gave up alcohol for yes. lunch, which was good. I did it with uh, an exception. The exception was that I did drink non-alcoholic beer, and some non-alcoholic beer has less than 0.5% alcohol. Mm. So, Heineken is 0.0. And I never had non-alcoholic beer before. I actually went down for a few days to Boynton beach, St. Vincent de Paul seminary. One of the guys I studied with in Rome teaches there. So I went down to visit him and we used to have a drink at the end of the night. And I thought, well, I'll drink non-alcoholic beer. And so I did. And it was pretty good. Mm. Um, it was something, it was better than just drinking water with him. Um, and I did that a few times, but it was good. And then, uh, on Easter night, I had a Manhattan with uh-huh. uh, with one of the Capuchins at the seminary at the end of the night. And that was good. It was a good way to to celebrate the resurrection. Sure. So, yeah. yeah, I think it was a good discipline. I, I've done it before. I'll probably do it again. So it was good.
0: Mm-hmm. Very mm-hmm. nice. So I so I did do the whole 30. I had some ups and downs with it, I, I will say. It was not as good as it was last year. Last year, I lost about 35 pounds doing whole 30. This year, I lost 10, though. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, better, better than gaining, number one. And 10 pounds yeah. is 10 pounds. Right. Yeah. You know, so that went well. Um, I kept the fast, you know, I always would forget on a Friday, like constantly. This has been like all my life. I'd get to Friday and I'd forget that it was Friday. Not, not forget that I'm supposed to be fast. just forget that it was Friday. And this year I actually made it all the way through without nice. forgetting. So it's like, mm, good. Good. And more importantly, uh, I went to my doctor and they, it was just a regular checkup and he said, I need you to go to get some blood work done. So I said, Sure. And my blood work has never been better.
2: Nice. Oh, wow, excellent. So whatever
0: whatever I'm doing in terms of dieting is certainly working. My triglycerides went way down. And I mean way, like from like 180 to like 130. So it's Mm. like in the level where it should be now. Cool. So good. So that's good. And I'm starting to exercise more now. Thank you, Maria. <laughs> the stairs started. You know, I have a little treadmill in my house now, so we're doing that. My wife does it in the morning. I do it in the evening. So that's mm-hmm. all starting out. So good. All so right. not bad. So, I, I, you know, I, I always think about my friend, whose name is also Michael, who after Easter, he gave up chocolate and all. I think all kind of sugary, sweet kind of things for Lent. And at the end of the Easter vigil, he ate, I'm not kidding... 12 chocolate bunnies. Oh my mm. gosh. <laughs> and then he came over and was like, "Hey Mike, it's a really great Easter, isn't it? It's so wonderful to be here. Everything's going on." I was like, "Dude, <laughs> back it up." You know. And I was like, y- "You kind of missed the point." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, but, I don't it was Matt Marr, you know the, mm, um, the singer-songwriter, yeah. Catholic artist. He posted something. And I don't know if it was on his story or if it was on Instagram. I could see if I could pull it up, but it was a quote from John Chrysostom about the resurrection. And even if you fail during your, your feast, like, it is time to celebrate. I'll see if I could pull it up as we're chatting here.
0: That's fine. Um, yeah. It was
1: a really cool post, and I thought, oh, because he didn't reveal who wrote it at first, and then as time went on, he
0: did. And- the guys at Grapevine wrote something about that this week, too. I'm going to see if I could find that as well. But yeah. they are saying, like, if you, consider, if you consider what happened for Lent a failure –
1: yeah, first and last alike, receive your reward. Rich and poor rejoice together. Sober and slothful, celebrate the day. You that have kept the fast and you that have not, rejoice today for the table is richly laden. I think that's really beautiful. Feast royally on it. The calf is a fattened one. Let no one go away hungry. Partake all of the cup of faith. Enjoy all the riches of his goodness. Let no one grieve at his poverty. And on and on. And uh, I mean, it's it's a rather lengthy quote, but it comes from a sermon from John Chrysostom. Around 400 A.D., which is pretty
0: rad. Mm, Yeah. Our friend Anthony Mancini at Grapevine said, said this. He said, well, while I didn't perfect the areas of prayer I was looking to perfect, I did accomplish, I didn't prove my prayer. He goes, I didn't accomplish the perfect modern monastic lifestyle. He goes, but I didn't prove, so that's a win. So Lent was a win. I aimed high. I missed low. But I ended up higher than when I started. I'm calling on those of you like me who may have, quote, failed at Lent. Don't be too hard on yourselves for what you didn't accomplish. Focus more on what you did accomplish, and keep those habits going on life. And this is the part I really liked. He said, "Next Lent, you could focus on the things you didn't focus on so much the first time around, and maybe a few dozen Lent's from now, you might look something like a saint." Who That's knows? great. That's yeah, nice. Yeah, I like
2: that. I tried. Um, I also did the Hallow Forty All Days right. challenge, and. I did not complete all 40 days. I'd say the past couple weeks, it got really tough at night to do it. Um, But I did find myself Easter Sunday night going to bed, like, what am I going to do tonight? Because I didn't have that anymore. So I think even though I didn't do it every night, I did start to build that habit that I did want it or want to do it at night.
1: The church is so wise and celebrating Lent, not just for the catechumens, who originally it was intended for. So many of the prayers of the church during the penitential season are for them specifically, but that all of us participate to, to do this one more time and renew our commitment to the faith and um, practice something bodily, not just spiritually, because we're both body-spirit Uh, creatures and, um, and benefit from it and, and then be able to celebrate. So the fasting and the feasting, you know, we live in a culture that wants to say, you can have anything you want all the time in whatever way you want. And when you never fast, then you really don't appreciate a good feast, you know? Yeah, that's true. My, my uh, friends over at the Bridegroom Monastery, the Byzantine sisters, they take like, they're serious fasters. They make me look like, you know, a wimp. Um, But they don't take oil, fats. I mean, very strict during Lent. But man, when they celebrate, they celebrate. And, and it's, it's wonderful to see, and it's beautiful. Um, so it's good to have those monastic communities who go hardcore to remind the rest of us who may can't or don't that people are doing it. And it, and it sets the standard, okay, maybe I can't do that, but I can at least do this. And that's, that's good. Yeah, Kind of like Anthony was saying in his post. Yeah, that's right.
0: Yeah, no, it's really good. The, uh, the other thing I did actually... Um, so as part of formation, I do field education in a parish, and one of the assignments I had was to at least twice go to the RCIA group in the parish and either lead a lesson or assist in leading a lesson, something along those lines. And so uh, I ended up doing that about four times over the course of the year, but uh, twice during, during during the sort of the spring semester, if you would. Um And and I found myself continuing to go back even though I wasn't leading the lesson. Like I would would accompany either Father Kevin or, or Max Hall, who is the RCIA director. And I really got a lot of joy out of just being there you know, just just kind of sitting there and accompanying. Every once in a while, maybe they'd say, hey, Mike, got anything to add to that, you know? But a lot of times, no. A lot of times I just kind of sat there and Mm -hmm. kind of listened and and kind of heard their stories and accompanied them. And so it was really joyous to kind of see them come into the church on on the Easter Vigil. Well,
1: I know you're on Twitter. Are you on Twitter, Maria? Uh You're on Twitter too, okay. Um, One of the greatest things about... Uh, the social media around this time of year is when people are posting, I'm a Catholic now, or I entered into the mm-hmm. church and there's such joyful stories where I was away and I received Eucharist for the first time. And it is like, I mean, there are, there's, n- there's imagery there of the, the baptismal font being the womb and Christ himself, you know, when blessing the womb, um, that the two are coming together and bringing new children into this, like into the church and mother church is giving birth. And to see this, it's exciting. It's like when there's a new, baby in the family, when there's new Catholics in the church, it's reason to celebrate. Mm -hmm. Um, It's wonderful.
0: Yeah. And you had a particular experience uh, this year in bringing someone into the church. Yeah.
1: So Patrick Warner, who found Catholic Church through your social media posts, came to the first night of Nine Nights of Night Prayer. I met him at John um, Cantius in Tremont in August. It would have been August 7th. He was the only person there who never prayed night prayer before. It turns out wasn't Catholic. Baptist. And then I saw him the last night of Nine Nights and Night Prayer at St. Michael the Archangel. And he wanted to talk to me after that maybe about RCA. So we met for coffee in Tremont. And long story short, he joined RCA at St. Michael's. Um, and then asked me to be his confirmation sponsor. I couldn't make like uh, the right of enrollment and election, so Claudia you know oh, Cabrera yeah, sure, was yeah. there, and she acted as proxy. So we both had our hands on his shoulders at the Easter Vigil when he made his profession of faith and received Eucharist for the first time. And there were probably 30 or 40 young adults, a lot from Grapevine or Catching Fire, who were there at St. Michael's. And I don't think they expected the Mass to be bilingual, oh, right. but I think they were surprisingly... Um, joyful about that fact because there's a lot of additions. The The Hispanic community at St. Michael's is pretty charismatic. So in the beginning of his homily, like Father Riley said, you know, uh, he has risen. And a couple of people are like, truly has risen. Then he was said, vivo Cristo rei. And they're like, ah, and, and <laughs> clapping. And, oh my gosh, you felt the joy of the resurrection in there. And even during the elevations in the Eucharistic prayer, um, the, they do praise and adoration things. Yeah. So when the, you know, when you usually hear the Sanctu's bells, which they have there, but then what were you telling me they were saying, like yeah, the, my Lord, my, my, Lord God. my God, the Thomas okay. prayer. Yeah.
0: Or at least, at least that's what the, I know that they do that in, in Nicaragua or cause I okay. was there and I went to mass there and everyone was kneeling down and all of a sudden he raises the host and all of a sudden I hear people starting to talk and they raise the host and he says it again. And I listened a little carefully and my Spanish isn't good, but I understand yeah. more than I can speak. Okay. And I was like, Oh, they're saying, "My Lord and my God." I got it. You know, see.
1: it's like well, the other thing they had at St. Michael's. If you're facing the altar to the left, there's usually a set of pews there. But right. during special seasons, that's where they set up their nativity scene. And for Easter, there's a big white curtain there, and it was it was just a big white curtain until the Gloria, when everybody's lighting the candles and the bells are ringing, and then the curtain came down, and there's a dramatic statue of the risen Lord there, and I, it was awesome. So you've seen some of that stuff on, you know, Insta or social media, but it was cool to see it in person. And the and the and the the bilingual mass really highlighted some 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 of aspects of Catholicism that you wouldn't get in uh, a one language mm. liturgy. I thought
0: that's nice. Yeah. yeah. Have to think, we have to think about, you know, I always think about, you know, what are the little things that you could add that are not outside of liturgy that will make a big difference? Mm-hmm. You that know, there's
1: options. Uh, yeah, and in yeah. that way it reminds me of – World Youth Days, which yeah. were very formative for me when you're celebrating with people from all around the world. It gives you a sense of universality. That um, was really cool. And, of course, St. Michael's is one of the most beautiful churches in the whole diocese. Oh, and yeah. a lot of those young adults were just looking up the whole time at the statues and the altar and the colors, and it's, it's gorgeous yeah. in there.
0: I said to someone, you can walk in there and start counting statues, and you might still be in there like four hours later. <laughs> you yeah, know? There's a couple it's hundred just, for sure. Yeah. For sure, it's great. Uh, we put some pictures. I have some pictures from when we did nine nights there. I'll p- try to put those up on uh, in the show notes. But if you get a chance, go down there. It's, pro- it's pro- that's probably my favorite church in the diocese. I think is St. Michael's.
1: It's in my top three. I'll tell you yeah. a cool story that happened too. So on the way in, well, we were we started outside. And Father Mark Riley blessed the the Easter fire, mm-hmm. and then from the Easter fire took the taper and then lit the Easter candle, mm-hmm. and then we were going to walk. So it would have been east toward the front of the church and then head in. Ah. And he said this in his homily, so it's not breaking any confidence. As they're, they're walking in, the candle went out. Oops. And then so he went in his pocket to get the big lighter. And I told him, like, don't cheat, don't cheat. So come on back and then take let's get the fire again. And we tried it and then it blew out again. So then we decided to go in the side door. But he worked that into his homily. And he told the people, you know, when the candle went out, I wanted to use my BIC and Father Damien's back there saying, don't cheat. And he said he was, as he was going through the scripture readings, he was thinking what a good symbol that is, that when our fire goes out, we have to go back to the yeah. fire. Like we don't create our own source. And that was cool that on, on the fly, he, yeah. he worked that into the homily. Yeah. And I've been thinking about that too. Like sometimes when our lights go out, we want to save ourselves. No, we've got to go back to the source. I thought that was really cool.
0: Yeah, that's nice, yeah. And, and and good preaching on the fly there. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's,
1: yeah, he's definitely praying through the liturgy when yeah. they
0: come up with that kind of symbolism. Exactly. Yeah. All right, so that's all good. Um, anything else that we missed with uh, our Lenten experiences?
2: I don't think so. Just one thing about um, Patrick came and spoke at our parish during our oh, Lenten right. speaker series. I'd say At St. Rocco's? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. A bunch a lot of young adults were there. He got a standing ovation. It was so moving. And I think in welcoming new people at the Easter Vigil, it it reinvigorates in yourself like like why we believe what we believe, how it helps us, and it's it's a renewal for, for all of us. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Great. Listening sometimes renews our hearts when we hear the stories of these people who are coming back and what's on their heart as they as they enter the church again, right?
1: I don't know what this is like for married people, but I know for a priest, when I go to an ordination, it reminds me of my vows, and, and it renews me. So I imagine that's similar.
0: My wife and I hold hands during every single wedding and sort of say, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, then I think that's similar when you see someone baptized, maybe if we didn't remember it, but man, this is, this is what our faith is about, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah. to see someone else go through the sacrament renews the sacrament within us. Yeah, yeah. absolutely.
0: Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and then like on all things, both in ordination and in, in marriage, I think. You know, we're, we're called as the ones who are witnessing this to, well, one, witness it. And mm-hmm. then number two, to support the people who are, who are making these vows so that we're part of that. You know, we're part of helping people live out their, their married life and their priestly life. And, you know, it's not just about them contributing to each other or the priesthood contributing to the parish. Right. You know, it's about us supporting each other along the way. Right. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Vero. Vero. See. Si. Uh, So Church Church, this week we'll go to St. Stephen's in Cleveland. What do we know about St. Stephen's other than it's beautiful, right?
1: Well, it's it's a rival – traditionally it's a rival Uh. German parish to St. Michael's, the parish we just talked about. Uh. And I know this little tidbit that the pastor of St. Stephen's wanted to one-up the pastor of St. Michael's. So the statues (laughs) at St. Stephen's are hollow and the statues – no, the statues at St. Michael's are hollow and the statues at St. Stephen's are solid. I know that's a distinction between that's the funny. two because he wanted to one up the other guy, um, <laughs> but they're both they're both gorgeous. Can't like, you guys just
0: beautiful. duke it out and be done with it? Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, it's always a little bit well, of friendly competition. competition. Yeah. That's pretty funny, uh, and there'll probably be. Um, you know, we just did that Seven Church Walk. I think they'll be on the list for the next Seven Church Walk next year. I uh, think so. What we we're be talking great. about so that will be great. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then our, our readings for May first. Uh, so it's John twenty one, uh, where it said, uh, "Simon, do you love me?" is the first thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think most people will pick out of that. And I, I often say the saddest words in all of Scripture. I'm going fishing, which happens before he, he says. Hey, Peter gets up and says, "I'm going fishing." Maybe the second. Saddest words of all scriptures. We're going with you All <laughs> right. afterwards. Disciples yeah. just head back to their sort of former way of life, and they, it's there when they encounter the Lord.
1: Yeah. And you've heard my parish mission, Mike. I have a special yeah. focus on Peter because he makes a lot of mistakes, and the beautiful thing is we hear about them, and then we hear how it is that the Lord renews him and heals him. Um, he doesn't blow him off and say, okay, now I'm giving the church to John. No, do you love me? And then he he. He enters into uh, Peter's life and recreates him, and then sends him out to be another Jesus in the world. I I, I just love it. Yeah.
0: Every Our, time I mess something up in ministry, I think, oh God, I'm such a horrible minister. You know, why did I do that? Or why did I do this? Or you know, oh, I deserve what happened to me. Or you know, all those kinds of things. I always go back to Peter and say, no, wait a minute, you know, if you want to be a good disciple, look at everything the disciples did, and then don't do those things, because they're really bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, one one betrays him, one denies him, one, you know, it's it's all kinds of things. And I, I always look at Peter and say, you know, at the end of the day, Jesus still comes back to him and offers him something else again, you know, offers him not only the chance to make amends, but also, you know, the chance to move forward. And, yeah. You know, he's the one we remember and revere, and we you know, hold up the leader of our church as the successor of Peter today, so.
1: Yeah, I've often thought that Peter and Judas's sins are equally grave, yeah. and the big difference is that Peter believed he could be forgiven, and Judas... Didn't. Yeah. Even though John Paul II in Crossing the Threshold of Hope says that even Judas, who betrayed Jesus, we can't be assured that he's in hell, even right. though Dante puts him there because of God's mercy. But, yeah, they both made great they both sinned gravely, but Peter trusted that Jesus could recreate him. That's right. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You see in the scriptures today that Peter was truly sorry, and Jesus asked him three times, and the third time, you, he, John notes his frustration, and Jesus asking him again, but it shows that his true... True repentance. He's truly sorry.
1: I think the Greek is also, the first two are like agape. Do you agape me? Do you agape me? And then the last one is philos, you Do you love me like as a brother? And he could say yes to that because he didn't think he was capable of loving him the way that God loved him, you know. So there's – yeah, it's beautiful.
0: It's yeah. a great scene. I was good. So pay attention to Peter in the gospel uh, this coming Sunday. And uh, we'll pay attention to you in our prayer. Hope that you'll pay attention to us in our in your prayer as well. Uh, and we'll have this and a whole lot more next week Another Question of Faith.